Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Get ready for the tech zone. Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Pacific time zone. Add the app to your cell phone. All of day is lane zone. With informative interviews and breakthroughs with CEOs and gurus and who's who's and reviews. Count on part to bring y'all the news. Yeah, he didn't pay dues and never snooze. Refused to lose and stayed humble and still played by the rules. On the scene since 16, pops been Paul's gasoline. Spiritual house have to stay clean. Put the king the first shot, know the routine. In the world, the sun clean disasters, the vaccine. So quarantine, but relive the emphysema epidemic of 1918. Hello and welcome to the Tech Zone. I am Paul Amadeus Lane. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're tuning in on ABC News Radio, KMET, Facebook Live, Periscope, LinkedIn, Livestream, or if you're listening via Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, where else? Um, yeah. Oh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. And uh, please don't forget to download the app, uh, Tech Zone Paul Amadeus Land. You can do that in Google Play Store. You can do that in the Apple Store as well. Thank you so much for your support. On our show today, we're going to be joined by ones who are part of, of the media. In our last segment, we're going to be joined by um, a colleague of mine from the D.C. area. We're going to check in with her to... Uh, see how COVID has changed things in the media game and, and how uh, this profession has taken on a new look. And coming up here shortly in this segment, we're going to be joined by a brother and sister who decided to do a podcast together. And we're going to talk about the process of what made them want to do it and some of the things that they, they talk about. Would you ever do a show or podcast with your siblings? Wow. <laughs> Almost had a moment there. It would be pretty comical, especially if you can go back and talk about your childhood, some of the funniest things. And one thing we notice is that if you have a sibling, you always have those funny moments in life where uh, maybe you did something that you didn't think was funny at all, but then your siblings did. So we're going to talk about uh, some siblings who do a podcast together. I was going to talk about how Google 
can clear up misconceptions when it comes to song lyrics. I was going to do like a demonstration like I did last week with Old Yeller, uh, the movie. You remember we thought the kid was Kurt Russell or Kirk Russell and Old Yeller, but it happened to be someone else. If you missed that little lesson that I gave on Google search, make sure you check out uh, last show. That's what we did. All right, so let's get it started. Let's check in with a brother and sister, and let's find out way. Let's find out way. Let's find out why <laughs> they decided to do a podcast together. I'm sorry, y'all. I got the itis. Now, some of you guys know know what the itis is when you eat too much and you just can't function. <laughs> That's why I'm squirming around right now. Hope it'll squirm around during the interview. But let's check in with this brother and sister uh, about their podcast and why they decided to do it. And let's see if we can get into some stories of when they grew up. Sounds like a plan. Let's do this. And I'm so happy to have with me right now these wonderful group of people who happen to be related. And I'm so happy that they decided to come on the show to talk about their their project and and just uh their podcast that that is just truly amazing and join me right now we have shonda scott and we also have her amazing brother kente scott how are you both doing today we're doing well i'm doing yeah, well good. today thank you for having us it's my pleasure having you guys and as a as a person who has an older brother and two older sisters, um, when it comes to sibling rivalry, it is definitely real. The struggle is real. So, Sean, I want to start with you. Talk about what it's like, first of all, working with your brother. And why did you guys decide to create the podcast uh, in the first place with sibling rivalry? Well, first, are you baby boy in the family? Because I say there's always a special place in every family for baby boy. That's to say that now, You're a baby boy forever. Now, now did my uh, demeanor give you away that I am a baby boy? Because I really am I'm a baby boy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I can pick a baby boy. I know those baby boys. So my, um, my working with my brother is just fun and amazing. I mean, we 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 have the the name of the show is What Sibling Rivalry, and it's a play on the word because we started this show because everybody knows how close we are and how well we together and so people always wanted us to tell like our background some that knew our background wanted us to start sharing so we thought the podcast would be a fun way to inform and then also to share about you know our upbringing back in the day and what life is today like for us but um it's always comedy in our family let's just say that i love <laughs> it i love it and and, and kente you know when mm -hmm. who approached who about the podcast was it you or, or was it your sister and after the approach was made, were you guys like, nah, we can't do this because we're going to get on the air together. We're going to have all kind of fights and get into it and everything. Please share that with us, my friend. Uh, well, we had, Shonda always brought it up. She was like, I want to do a podcast and we could never kind of figure out what we want to do. And then she was like, we should just do a podcast kind of like uh, our phone calls. Like, because she would just call it to be like, what do you think about this? And then we'll just be talking. So we were like, yeah, that's it. And then we were like, we, the the sibling rivalry for us, like she said, is pretty much a, a play on words. And so that name was taken. 
So we were like, what sibling rivalry? Because it could be one day, <laughs> there's no sibling rivalry between them. The next day, be like, oh yeah, that's the, that's the sibling rivalry they were talking about. So it, it, it was, it, it just came about organically, you know, it kind of, she, we had, Shonda kept approaching me about it for years and I was always like, yeah, I'm, I'm down to do it whenever. And when when we started doing it, it, it was just the, the right time and, and the way it's grown and the way we've grown in our interactions with each other on the podcast and the and how much people like our interaction on the podcast. It just felt like it was the right time to do it. And it's and it's been growing in the right way. Now, I, I love it. And, you know, we can all look back to when we were all growing up and everything. It's like people would like trip off like stories of my family that we would have like and they would just like crack up and when i shared on the air myself people like are still cracking up behind that and do you find that uh kente when you share like some of these stories about what happened in the past especially when it came to that liver and that bear that you know (laughs) that that people are like man you know i have a similar story like that do you find that with the interaction with the with the audience that you have like emails or maybe like comments yeah yeah uh i don't know i i think you mentioned the bear and i don't know if that's really one we ready to talk about yet it's still close to my heart that's the first time (laughs) i had a family member taken from me so quickly and so abruptly just because they wanted me to grow up but anyway moving on (laughs) um yeah i i have uh like the funniest story is i have a friend of mine a comedian friend of mine in the met him in the gym and he was like man your grandmama made you eat anything too she was like you can't get up from the table till you finish it and i was like yeah so he i didn't even know he was a, a listening to the show and he was like i subscribe to it when y'all coming out with another one because your stories are so similar to ours my my family's story so I, we find that a lot of people that have brothers and sisters and grew up in a in a family that with with love and craziness all of our stories kind of land somewhere in in their in their uh in their threshold of of growing up like yeah that happened to me too yeah it's it, it's funny because when i heard you guys tell that story you know i was like this is like you know something that's like kind of dear to my heart too and, and and shonda when we look at like you know being the being the sister uh in the family and and your younger brother and, and dealing <laughs> dealing with the whole situation um Oh, you're not the younger brother? I'm sorry. Paul, Paul was cool. He said the sister. I'm like, oh, he already knows how we roll. And then he said younger brother. Like, no, we're twins. Didn't you follow that? And the whole, whole theme of the sitcom is how we're twins now. Like, yeah. there's no younger anything in our scenario anymore. That, that, yeah, that, Paul, that. Let me just say. Uh, he said I was boy because he's the only yeah. boy. When I was growing up, she was my elder. When we got to college, she became my peer. And at a certain point, she was like, hey, we twins now. And I was like, okay. So we twins with different birthdays. You know, so we twins. Yeah, we celebrate different birthdays. That's understandable. You know, the crazy thing about it is, Sean, I have a sister. Uh, she's like six years older than me. And she doesn't look it. You know, she and I look like we're, we're the same age. And the same thing, when we started clubbing together, she was like, remember, you know, we like the same age. Don't let nobody know I'm six six years older than you. So, so I I, I definitely get it. And, and, and Sean, tell me about like some of the stories of, of growing up and having to having to take up for for your brother. Because I had my older siblings had to take up for me. I'm sorry, my twin siblings have to take up for me. So, well, you got any stories you want to share with us about that? 
Now I am big sister in that regard because I didn't. I'm not a big fighter. Now I have an opinion and a vocal opinion, but I'm not a big physical fighter. The only fights I had growing up were for Kente because I, if you mess with my little brother, now we. That's when he. I was mama's sister at that time in life, and so uh, I'm the only one that could could beat up on Kente. You couldn't just come and beat up on my little brother. So those are the only fights I had at school. If anybody's trying to mess with this was just my brother. Or even said anything about it, then you know I was mama's sister bear. <laughs> now, I, you know I, I get it, and and being a younger brother, you know I I'm sorry, being a twin brother like Kente, like myself, I always <laughs> appreciate it when when my older twin sisters, I have two twin sisters and a twin brother, so it's like we're quintuplets. I think that's how you say it now, <laughs> but you know that that really you know showed how much they loved me because they, they would pick on me to death. But they wouldn't let nobody else do it. And that really just shows that the love that we have in, in that family unit. And, and Shonda, take us back to when you decided to, to be a part of this uh, program with your brother. And what, what were some of the, I guess, um, you know, kind of trepidations you had as far as doing it? You know, because you're a very successful uh, business person. Your brother is, too, in the industry. What was some of the kind of apprehension you might have had of doing something like this? That's funny that you say that because I absolutely have apprehension because I'm a very private person. So, um, you know, and with that means that I don't share a lot of my personal business with the public. So it was so us deciding to do this was like me having to come out of that, you know, that shell. I mean, you know, professionally is fine, but personally it was different. But then when so many people were asking about you know, our childhood, how we were raised, how our family were like the Huxtables growing up and what that meant to them and how that was such an, an example for us now and for us raising our children and for our children's children now. I then made me feel more comfortable about sharing our stories with other people because it's like it's more sharing for the benefit of others and not, you know, for anything else. But, yeah, that part of it is where I it, it is. It, it it that is where I have pause is having to share our family stories, but we have scripts about our family stories because it's really comedy. Some of it is very informative and inspirational. Our family and what what our family has done for the past you know five generations. But the current situations with our parents and our family is just straight hilarious at times. So being able to have a platform to talk about that and share those stories is, is what brought me more comfort. I, I love it, Shonda, because, you know, I, I find myself, I've been in this industry for going on about, about 15 years, and sometimes I have to catch myself because I'm like, oh, I don't want to share that little family secret because if I do that, you know, I may get jumped by the relatives or something. But <laughs> do, do, do you find yourself with that kind of, like, struggle sometimes? Like, wait a minute, okay, I can't go that far because I don't want to divulge that family secret. Well, when we get on camera, I mean, and on the mic, it, it's more comfortable. Um, and I always, am, you know, got to say it in a way that I hope that is well received. But Kente, on the other hand, oh, when he hits that stage, oh, family secrets and business is just all on the table. So, you know, if you have something that you try not to share, he's going to share it. So then that's part of like the sitcom that we have. It shows him in that mode because that's what really happens. Anything that happens. So my mom used to have a rule. Whatever happens in this house stays in this house. And I follow the rule. Kente, on the other hand, does not follow that rule. Whatever happens in the house, if it's funny, it's hitting the stage with some ad lib. I love it, Kente. You gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta go ahead and speak on that. 
What? I mean, that's what made sense. They 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 gave me their blessing to be a comedian. And when they said, yes, you do be a comedian, you be the best thing since Richard Pryor. And I said, hey, Richard Pryor talks about his family a lot. So had to talk about my family. And I don't, I don't, uh, my mother always said that she's the one, she, I'm, I might be still a little scared of her because she don't really get into the act too much on stage. So, because she was like, don't put me on stage. And she knows she's one of the people that's not on Facebook, not on social media. So I've, I've dribbled her in there. But my father, he's all over the, he's all over the stage because he's a ham. He loves it. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's we don't, and we don't, hmm? We have to sign disclaimers for Kente. Like, yeah. this does not go on stage. Like, do yeah. not put this on stage. <laughs> and, and then I tell them, hey, if it's funny, it's going on stage. I can't do that. I can't. I'm, I'm a reporter. I'm a comedy reporter. I'm like the Anderson Cooper of the Scott family. That's all I am. I'm just reporting the facts. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's funny. I got some relatives always tell me, now, boy, don't put me on that Twitter. And I'm like, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to put you on that Twitter. I'm not going to do that. And and when we look at look at just the way the, the podcast is structured, you guys tackle a lot of issues. You know, you have a lot of fun, but you guys are serious behind it. And mm-hmm. and and talk about why you decided to not only have fun but also to be informative. And uh, Kente, we'll have you go first on that. Um, because that's that's how we were raised. You know, our, our parents were, uh, you know, around the Black Panther Party growing up, and you know, we were taught to educate ourselves on every topic. Like we knew about the first black mayor of Oakland personally. And so we saw all of that. So it's it's just the podcast is an extension of who we are. So if something happens that affects us or our family, then we talk about it on the podcast in a way that is expressing how we really feel about it. Like we had a episode with my daughter and Shonda's son talking about uh, marijuana and how the next generation sees it and how we interact with it as parents. And it was it was a real conversation because it was it was a real conversation that we have. So we 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 are we have fun on the show. We we talk about real stuff on the show because we're real people. It's not like we're putting on an act or we're putting on a facade when we do our our podcast and we become different characters. This is Kente and Shonda. So if if, uh, you know, there's a. Like the Black Lives Matter movement started recently. We talk about it on our show. So because it's what's happening right now and it would be we would be, you know, misrepresenting who we are to to not mention that part of of what's going on and how we feel about it. Thank you so much for opening up um, with me about that. And, And Shonda, I wanted to ask you that as well, too. And just a little caveat when it comes to you um, being a successful businesswoman, um, do you find yourself having to to kind of rein in uh, your expressions sometimes because you have a lot of responsibilities or the way that you do it? You like I'll say this to a person's face, so I'm not I'm not going <laughs> to hold back. Please please share kind of like that that tightrope act that you may have to you know deal with some time with dealing with uh, really you know impactful social issues. Well, I think most people that know me know that uh, my aunt. Authenticity comes out in my facial expressions. Like they don't, they don't stop in the boardroom. They come out. Like it's just like, really, you ask that question, or really, you really think that's appropriate to do to someone? You, you're telling me you think that's okay. 
you know, so I can't change that part. Even with the mask wearing, you see my eyes and all my expressions. So uh, that part I don't rein in. I probably won't rein in because it's part of my whole expression and conversation. Uh, but the part of this, doing the, the podcast is to be fun, informative, and funny. So it shows my lighter, funnier side, and it shows Kente's more, you know, serious and, you know, intellectual side. Because even though he's he's a comic, and most comedians that are funny are witty, and so they're highly intellectual, but people don't always see that. So this allows you to see how much research and how in-depth he is in, in reading, how he's been reading since, you know, he came out the womb. And he used to get in trouble at the dinner table for having a book at the table and reading. We're like, who does that? And then it's more of me always being so serious and people knowing that when they get in the room with me, I'm fun and funny and witty, too. So I'm intense at times when I need to be. But there's always a balance and a lighter side to me. So it allows me to show that um, in the podcast. And just taste will get an understanding of how we evolved to who we are based on how we were brought up and then the environment we were brought up in and with the morals and principles and just, you know, the ability to be free as um, African-Americans really growing up in a predominantly African-American world. We grew up in Oakland when it was close to 50 percent African-American. So, you know, this whole privilege and all this lifestyle, Oaklanders have that. I mean, and Oakland is a place where there's a uh, cross sections of socioeconomics and everything. So, you know, you can be in the hills, you can be in the flats and still would have a good time when we grew up. You know, people, we'd have events at our house and it would be everybody from the community across the area. And they all had the same level of respect for our family. So all of that shows who we are and how we became that way, you know. And so that gave a lot of credence to us just feeling comfortable and what we represent to other people who look like us. And we just feel like this is the perfect time to share because now everybody feels the comfort that we felt growing up in Oakland with your um, blackness. Now everybody feels oh, comfortable with it because, you know, we're in this moment right now. So, you know, that was that's a lot of what, you know, that all came about. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. You know, what's funny. I got I know. Go, go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. No, and I was just saying that, that that's where I got the comfort in this platform and, and feeling, you know, being who I am. Because who we are, I don't change in the boardroom. I don't change at home. Like, if you know me, you know me, period. You know, I don't put on these different masks and faces. So, But I do put on different expressions if the conversation lends to needing a, a look, a side eye, or a little, you know, twinkle. <laughs> it depends on whatever's going on. And, and that's one thing I love about about watching the, some of the podcasts. Your facial expressions, I'm like, they're they're just, you know, I love them because you know I'm the same way. Like I, I wear my expression on my face, face, and people know what I'm what I'm talking about. So I, I really appreciate you opening up about that. Tell you a funny story. I was up in in the Bay Area, I was about 15. We were visiting some relatives, and we rolled through Haywood, and you know I was like. <laughs> I, I saw I saw everybody out hanging out. I said, "This is like Compton." I'm like, "Home." This is like this is like cool. So you know, I have I have a love for the Bay Area. Except relatives out there, and everything, and, and just what you and your brother have been able to accomplish have been amazing. And Kente, I'm not gonna let you off the hook. Now, I heard I heard that you were reading a book and you got scared of reading it. Is, is that true or is that an urban myth, like a Stephen King no, that's, novel? That's urban myth. I I never been no, King Stephen oh, yeah, King. No, no. I uh I, I'm a like my when I was growing up my favorite book I read had a book but I read the book Jaws 
and I used to love Fangoria magazine. And Stephen King is my favorite author of all time. So I, I would, my imagination would run wild with me. No, not necessarily scared, but I definitely saw vividly what was going on in the, in the books. My mother would get more uh, afraid for me. Like, why are you reading all this hard stuff? Why can't you read something else? And she would try to take it from me, but I was like, uh, this is just what I like. So uh, I never got scared of it because I knew that if I ever got scared of it out loud, then I wouldn't be able to read it anymore. So <laughs> I only got scared in my room by myself. I had a nightlight. I might have had a nightlight, but nobody knew because I only turned it on after I went to bed. Hey, I'm going to tell you something too, man. I slept with my lamp on till I was about 20 years old, man. I mean, I, I'm not scared about that. You know, I was like, yeah. I would tell people, hey, this is how it was. And, you know, something about <laughs> being scared by your older siblings, man. That stuff stick with you for a long time. And my older brother was scared of daylights out of me. And I had that light on till I got about 20 years old, man. And I think when I, oh, when yeah. I, I think when I got married, I finally turned it off. But that's because I have my wife in the room. Yeah. Me, so. I think when you get married, you got to turn the nightlight off. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> right. No, baby, let's let's just keep it on. Let's keep it on. <laughs> you know, you know, oh, Kente's not the scary one. Kente is was like five years old and want is, can stay home by himself. I mean, you know, I'm the one that's. Uh, yes. I still don't want to stay home by myself. Yeah. I was like, when I'm by myself, I hear sounds and creaking. So Kente loves Stephen King because the books are scary for most people. And he loves the thrill of it. He and my yeah. aunt like share these books and these stories about it's not good unless it's just like super scary. And I'm like, how yeah. do you read a book that's scary? I don't even understand how words can scare you like that. So I don't I don't do the Stephen King. I like to read like romantic, fun stories, you know, happy endings. So, you know, huh? I got, what? I got, <laughs> Shonda, before I let you go, is there anything else that, that you, you and your brother would like to uh, say about the show and how ones can, can check you guys out and, uh, and follow you both? So, I mean, it's a great show. It's it, multi-generational. Like my son's friends come back and they, they're watching the show and they coming back. Oh, we saw this on What Sibling Robbery and, and our parents, friends watch it. And then our friends, of course, watch it. It's multi-generational, uh, crosses ethnicities. It's all kind of demographics because it's just fun and fun, funny. And it's real. And like you said, we do touch on current issues. And then we have other siblings on to find out their stories. Like we had the, uh, the entire... Marcus Allen's sibling family. And so, you know, they had never done an interview with all of themselves together. So many people didn't know Marcus Allen, the person, the human, the the the, the well-groomed family child, you know, that, and his upbringing with his two parents and his, you know, five siblings. So we're able to share those stories and how our similarities in our lives, even though it may have been in different areas, they were in San Diego, we're in Oakland, you know, but the commonalities is just growing up in a family and a love and has um, we can share that but we're on all platforms you know on apple podcasts on youtube we have a what sibling rivalry.com website where you can see all all of our information and find out how to follow us on instagram as well as uh you know twitter and facebook so you know we just want everybody to subscribe subscribe and like and just join the fun and funny as kente would say <laughs> Yeah, no, and it, it's in a really enjoyable show. I really enjoyed it. And, and and Kente, let's talk about any closing thoughts about the about the podcast, about the show you'd like to share with ones out there. 
it's it's funny. Like like Shonda said, it's funny. It's informative. You're gonna see a different side of me. You're gonna see a different side of Shonda. You know, you you see her outside the courtroom. She gets a little loose. She I'm almost getting her to cuss. She's almost cussing on 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 the microphone, but she ain't got there yet. So I'll do the cussing for her. But yes, check us out. Subscribe. Follow. We got a YouTube page. We got Instagram. What Civil Rivalry Podcast. We do a every week. I do a contagious comedy corner throwback joke on Thursdays. Shonda's on there. Uh, we just have a lot of fun. So get in on this fun while you can. While, while we're still while we're still manageable and, and not too uh, blown up. Because once we blow up, you know, then you might have to go through our people to get to us. Now I, I hear you. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Um, I used to do a morning show here in Southern California, and I interviewed then candidate for Attorney General. Kamala Harris and I remember I told her I said now when you get big time you know you blow up don't forget about me she hasn't returned my call so she forgot about me but you guys <laughs> you guys don't Shonda and Kente she's busy she, she hasn't forgotten there's a lot going on right now she didn't yeah. forget well, well, she ain't forgot about you her people forgot about you there That's it is there it is that is you know you know how it is how we we, we get we get butt hurt sometimes, right? But when y'all yeah. when, when y'all get big time, Shonda and Kente, you guys are already big time. But when you guys blow up with the podcast, please don't forget about me. And and great great catching up with you guys. Love to have you guys back on again. You guys are amazing group of people, very um, inspirational. And Shonda, I'm like you. I don't cuss on air either. I'm not gonna get Kente to give me the cuss on air either because my mama is 86 years old and she'll whoop my behind. So. <laughs> And well, we won't forget you because this is our first radio Skype interview together. So, you know, we've done separate interviews. So this is the first one. So we will always remember you for that, for what sibling rivalry. Uh, yeah, but, but when you call, please say this is this is Paul so we can know. Just put your name in there. There you, you know, go. Or, or, or like Paul a, with the A's, A's hat. Yeah, with the A's Dodgers Angels hat because that is everybody's logo right there. So that's what I'm talking about. Or, as people say, Paul, the guy in the wheelchair. People can always remember me with that. But thank you guys so much for, for joining me. and look forward to catching up with you guys soon. we got to have you on our show. You and your one of your siblings. Or all yeah, of them. All of them. You know what? See, if y'all do that, y'all y'all going to get low ratings and everything. Because we, we born. We're not as, we're not as I, uh, you know. I don't believe it, Paul. I don't believe. It. I believe. I believe you're trying to play it down, so you don't. So they don't tell all the good dirt up on you. But yeah, we're gonna have y'all on there, all five of y'all. We're not playing. We are getting y'all all on it. Hey, we'll do it, my friend. Thank you guys so much, Kente. You take care of yourself, Shonda. You take care of yourself too. Look forward to chatting with you guys Thank soon. Thank you. Have a blessed day. We had a good time. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. God bless you. Once again, enjoyed my conversation with Kente and Shonda Scott. Really enjoyed uh, chatting with them about them growing up. And I tell you, didn't you find yourself getting nostalgic about your siblings that you have and some of the great times growing up? Yeah, pretty cool. All right, when we get back, I'm going to check in with a member of the media fraternity who was in the D.C. area. We're going to talk to her about her career, what got her started, and how COVID has kind of changed uh, the way that we do media now. So we're going to chat with her coming up right after these messages. We'll be right back here on the Tech Zone. I'm Paul Amadeus Lane. Talk to you guys soon.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this world of technology, things are ever-changing, rearranging. You need someone to help you out. I know You'll someone never be alone. You'll be with Paul. I'm a dead lane in the tech zone. Welcome back to the Tech Zone. I am Paul Amadeus Lane. So happy to have you with me on the show. I tell you, I really enjoy spending time with you. Talking about technology, talking about other issues. And sometimes on the show, we don't really even even touch technology. We just get to know people out there. And that's one thing I wanted to do when, when I left the morning show many years ago. I wanted to be able to be a storyteller to introduce you to people and not these quick three, four minute interviews where you're like, huh, what did they say? What are they talking about? I wanted to make sure I spent ample time to get to know my guest. It's kind of like if I invited him into my house, I'm just not going to say after five minutes. Okay. See you later. Bye. If I invite you into my home, I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to find out your likes, your dislikes. I am going to find out if you like hamburgers as much as I do, I'm going to find out what's your favorite libation. Mine happens to be a Cadillac margarita on the rocks. My wife makes a great one. Ray, Ray hooks it up. If you ever, if we're ever out and about again, we're covering events and you see my wife, Ray, who is my producer and also um, does a lot of things um, behind the scenes, even here at the station filming and so forth. Make sure you go up to her and say, Hey, Paul said you make a really good caddy. And watch her face will just beam with a big old smile. And she'll say, hey, I'll make one for you. That's just how rainy days is, my wife. She's she's super, super cool. I love her to death. We'll be married 24 years in September. Wow. Yeah, we got married at, at nine. We had to get parents approval. <laughs> All right. Enough about me jibber-jabbing and blabbing. I'm so happy to introduce this next guest. Not only is she a member of the media fraternity, but she's also one of my spiritual sisters in the faith. And I am so happy to have her on with me and talk about her career and how things have been going since COVID-19. Darnea Samuels. What's going on, Darnea? How are you? I'm good, Paul. How are you? Good to be with you. I'm doing fantastic. Always great to chat with another fellow member of the media and just see how this COVID has affected you and the way you 
have worked during this time. And and before before we talked about that, what I wanted to do was just, you know, I saw one of your interviews that you did with um, um, one of your assistants and mm-hmm. doing research. I had no idea just the personal impact that COVID had on on your family personally. And if you don't mind, you might share that with us, because I think when we humanize COVID-19 in this pandemic and the effect that it has on real people, I think people will just push out all the noise of the people saying that it's fake, that it's just not nothing to be concerned about. You mind sharing that with us, please? Sure, no problem. Um, I lost my great uncle in March to COVID-19. At first, we didn't realize that uh, he had contracted the virus. We just heard he had a stroke, a heart attack, and he had had a stroke previously. So we just figured, that unfortunately, this happened again. But later on, we found out that some of the symptoms that he was exhibiting were symptoms that um, are typical of having COVID-19. So in reality, he died of complications of the virus. So that hit close to home because um, that was my grandmother's last surviving sibling. And so this is like somebody who has been there all my life. And then now he's gone and come to find out it's from this virus. So it really hit home. So I'm not one of those people who believes that it's fake. You know, I've come across some who think this is some kind of hoax and everything. And now that I've lost my great uncle, I'm like, well, tell that to the people who've lost someone to this virus. Tell them that it's fake because it's not. And uh, on the flip side, I also had a friend who uh, contracted it, but she was able to recover, thankfully. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum, but, you know, uh, it definitely has hit close to home. And I know of some others in my local area who uh, got it and unfortunately passed. So I know it's real and I know you, you know as well, but yeah, to personalize it, it affects all of us. That is so true. And um, I know I have a cousin, uh, she works in the prison system and she and her husband contracted it and, and they both recovered, but she said her lungs are never the same and people are affected uh-huh. by this. And it's, it's, it's really, 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 really crazy how some people are not really buying into the seriousness of it. It was, it was interesting too, like on, on IG um, this past week, I never get into it with people on, on social media because it's senseless. But this one right. post, I just wanted to maybe share like a interesting viewpoint. Somebody put the CDC statistics in the IG post, and they were making light that only point something something percentage of of the population has died from COVID. And I just let them let them know. I was like, well, if you have been affected by the two point seven five that have died from it, it's mm-hmm. th- this is not comforting. You know, you're making exactly. light of somebody who who's dying, and that's that's really not cool. So I just, I just dropped that little, little bit of information, but not, but not to get into a person with a person, but just kind of uh, have them humanize it. Like somebody, you know, has been affected mm-hmm. by it. So just be careful of, of what you put on there. And as members of the media, that's the fine line that we have to walk. I mean, we have to look at social media. We have to follow different trends out there. How mm-hmm. do you keep your, your sanity with not getting too upset or wanting to engage with ones out there who, who you know are members of the same media family that we are, but just spewing mm-hmm. fake and inaccurate things out there. Well, I guess trying not to take in so much of it. Um, of course, as you know, social media is a hotbed of people's comments that they wouldn't ever tell you in person. Uh, we see that so much because people are able to hide behind 
or have the anonymity sort of like of a, a social media page just to say the things that they would like or rant and they would never say that in person. So I try to limit, I guess, how much uh, of these comments I'm taking in. Um, and sometimes you can't, you know, but I try my best. And then I may in encounter it in person, like a family friend, um, he hugged me and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it came out of, it came out of nowhere. And I'm like, um, this virus is real. Why are you, why are you hugging me? This is not okay at all. And, uh, he was like, oh, well, I don't believe it's true. I'm like, that's absolutely ridiculous. So I, I couldn't avoid that situation. Um, but you know, when it comes to the comments, like I said, I just try to limit the, you know, if somebody's saying, well, this is a hoax. I try to scroll past it yeah. and try not to get into it because I already know. Yeah. I don't need to get riled up over that because I, I can't. So it's not going to be good for me. No, no, I, I definitely hear you on that, and that's been my my attitude towards it too. Like, don't I don't try to get caught up in that in that pigeonhole, that rabbit hole. <laughs> it, just, oh. it just, as we say, keep it moving, right? That's that's what we do. <laughs> but but I wanted to to talk with you too and see how how has this pandemic affected the way that you do media now um you're not able probably to go into the to the station or do other things or maybe go on location and do certain things how has this impacted because we're going in almost six months of of this pandemic so what are the changes uh, did you have to make in in your in your line of work well there's been more of a focus of working from home uh, to put it simply beforehand i had the option it was just an option to work from home, like for my newscast. I could record it from home, send it in, and the engineers would play it beforehand. That was just an option. Now that's become a necessity because I'm not going into the studio for that. So it's like I've uh, improved my home studio system. <laughs> and since I'm using that on a weekly basis to provide the newscast for my local station, and so I guess there's more of a focus on working from home. And then for another uh, radio outlet that I work for, beforehand, there would never have been a thought that you could work from home and support a live program. But now they've provided us with the um, the tools that's necessary to support a show from home. So I'm able to answer phone calls from a laptop <laughs> to, you know, input uh, different uh, audio or extract audio that's needed to be played on air. I'm able to do that from, you know, my living room. And that's something that I wouldn't have even fathomed at the beginning of 2020, but so that's a definite big change. So people have become more innovative, I guess, with what we're able to do on the media side from home, things that you wouldn't have seen. And like, just like watching the TV news, you have anchors who are uh, giving their stories from home or meteorologists who are doing their weather reports from home, things that you would have never seen. So it's similar in that way, more of a focus of working from home. And I still do have to go into uh, one studio, but that's because I can't do that work from home. But you know, ninety percent of the work now is from home. Yeah, it's yep. um, really interesting times. I remember about seven years ago, um, I was going to leave this one media outlet, and the owner was like, "Hey, what can we do to keep you?" And I said, "Well, I want to work from home from my home studio." So I did the morning show for like four years from from my home studio, and then that's just been my my norm ever since and when this pandemic hit you know i was uh -huh. able to just hit the ground running because it was like it was like my normal 
Anyway, and it's it's great to see how other members of the media like yourself who are embracing uh, this type of change. And have you noticed that maybe your your newscast or maybe your recordings are a little bit more polished since you're at home and more relaxed? I've noticed that. What about you? Well, yeah, for sure. Because at home, you're in the comforts of your home and you can uh, tweak things as necessary. So... I would say so. There's more more of a comfort level um, because you're in the comforts of your own home. So, you know, with each aspect of radio that I'm in, that I'm able to do from home, yeah, there's, there's more of a comfort because I'm in my comfortable surroundings and, you know, I don't have the, <laughs> the hustle and bustle of, you know, what's going on around me from the work side. So it's a lot easier now. You've been affectionately called by your colleagues, the GOAT. And and looking at yeah. your accomplishments, you know, I, I I can co-sign on that too, my sister. Well, thank you, my brother. Thank you. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to find out how has the voiceover industry changed uh, since this pandemic hit? Because I know normally with voiceovers, like ones can can cut their cut their lines and send it into the studio. You know, a good friend of mine, Angelique Perrin, she's actually my mentor in broadcasting. She um. Uh, uh, did one of the voices in The Last Jedi when all the, the Jedis were like, you know, channeling Ray and everything. And she's and that was like right in the in the midst of of how everything was going on. Uh before everything uh-huh. was going on. And she said what she was able to do was just cut her spot, send it over to I think it was Michael Bay or one of the one of the producers. And it was done. Has the voiceover game changed now because of COVID too? Well what has been your experience with that well i actually did some voiceovers recently and i guess it felt pretty normal because of having a uh, routine of doing things from home already in the home studio it kind of just cemented the fact that well this is definitely beneficial that i have this equipment at home so uh it didn't really change it up too much for me um of course some previous voiceovers that i've done were actually location uh, at my job but now if I were to need to do that I can just do it from my home studio and send it in so thank goodness for email and other (laughs) drop-off sites so um, I'm sure for those who already work from home like one of my mentors who does voiceovers from home his radio show from home you know he hasn't changed at all with what he does so if somebody was already in the habit of doing that they really haven't had to change much like you said for yourself um, so but for me, I just continue to do the work uh, from home. So that kind of made it made it easier to have everything at my fingertips that I needed. That's awesome. One thing that if I can give you a little little bit of unsolicited advice when it comes to doing your <laughs> doing the home hustle thing is uh-huh. give yourself some boundaries when to quit. I'm telling you, sometimes <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> I'm like in here to one, two or three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, okay, I got to go to bed. I got to do this. So I'm sure you probably experienced that too, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. You know, when we have something that we can easily accessible, we're like, I'm going in here. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we needed to have that conversation a couple of days ago. Cause he, he don't want to know what time I was up till to finish my last set of voiceovers. I'm like, uh, I really need to go to bed. I really I really need to go to bed. But I think, like you said, because you're at home, you're comfortable, you don't feel like, oh, I got to, you know, hurry up and leave so I can get home. You're already home. And 
so you can really kind of that perfectionist thing can kind of take over and I got to get it right I got to get it right and the time just slips away so yeah I understand that definitely <laughs> you know, it was funny how you and I were talking before we started recording is that in this in this industry <laughs> We all got a little diva, and it's and, and, and like you said, it's kind of like the perfectionist part. And, and and it's funny whenever when we used to go on location and everything, I would always tell my team, um, if I get a little diva, it's just just pull me to the side and let me know because because I I, don't, I didn't mean to be, um, yeah, Danielle, right. I didn't mean to be. It just it just came out that I'm really a nice guy, but but like you said, when we're when we're doing things and the perfectionist part comes out, it just sometimes it doesn't come out as as nice as it should be, but I'm working on it. I really am. <laughs> well, you have an understanding team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Before I let you go, I wanted to to ask you, what made you get into um, the media industry in the first place? Was it uh, maybe somebody you knew? What was the, the gravity that, that, that brought you or to pulled you to, to this industry? Sure. Now, I want to backtrack just a second, and I'm going to give credit uh, to my assistant Xavier Wary, who calls me the goat, uh, because that's his <laughs> that's his term of uh, just bit of, of appreciation for me and how I've helped him along the way. I want to make sure I give him the credit for that nickname. Uh, but so now, as far as how I got into media, I always enjoyed listening to the radio and um, as a kid, and I guess it was uh, just an interesting format to be able to listen to someone on the air speaking, not see them but still develop a connection to them by listening. And so along the way, uh, when I was in high school and trying to figure out what am I going to do career-wise, I um, I settled on broadcasting after I graduated. I went to a broadcasting school, and then I learned radio, TV, and video. And by working or learning those three elements, what stood out to me the most was radio. And so then I knew... From that point, that's what I wanted to pursue. And so thankfully, the school and program that I was in, the instructors were people who were already in the field of study that I was trying to get into. So these were people who were already working at TV stations that I watched, radio stations that I listened to. So and I was familiar with a lot of them already. So I was able to get, you know, real life uh, instruction and, uh, you know, assistance from them. And so then I was able to start applying and finally got into it. So I guess this the radio bug hit me um, as I got older. So I guess towards the end of uh, my senior year. And because I remember at my graduation party, I said to all that were there, I said, don't be surprised if you hear me on your local radio station or see me on your TV station. I have no idea what <laughs> made me say that exactly. But then within four years, I was heard on radio for the first time. So. And I've been there ever since. So I guess I figured something. I had a good intuition, I guess. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I, I know you love music. I can tell by the by the painting you have back there. You got Dizzy, Miles, Louie. Uh, is that Nat King Cole, too, back there? Yes, Nat wow. and Grover. Yep. Nice. Grover Watson. Who else we got? Yeah. And Miles Davis and Barry White. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, um, my, my favorite, favorite song by Grover was Best Yet to Come, what he did with uh, Patti LaBelle. And that might have been, oh, yeah. been before you were born because that's way, 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 way back. And well, most of the music I like is from before I was born, so you're okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, really, I really enjoy, really enjoy jazz. Um, some people who know my story, uh, Wayne Henderson uh, Sr., who was a really good friend of my family's, and 
when I was younger, about 15, he really embraced me in the music industry, did a couple of things with him. And so music has always been a part part of me. And it's always great to to see ones who have that love for for the real music back then. And if I were to ask you mm-hmm. your favorite song of all time in the jazz genre, what would that be? Did I put you on the spot too much? Woo! Uh, <laughs> well, let me let me pick from some of the guys here on this painting here. I'll go with Nat King Cole. Uh, I always enjoy his voice, and as a kid, I watched the reruns of the Nat King Cole TV show. What? So even though that, you watched that game? I was bored. I did. I shoot. I watched a lot of old shows uh, so, <laughs> and oh. older music. So if I had to pick something in the jazz genre, I'll probably pick Unforgettable. You know what? That's awesome. You know what mine would be? Now, I'm not a singer. It would be this, though. Look at me. I'm as healthy. Okay, I got you. Misty. You know what I mean? I love love Misty. Um, And it was another song popped in my brain, too. And I know know you know this one. Um, um, It was by Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, Salt Peanuts. Salt Peanuts. I love that song. By Dizzy Gillespie. <laughs> See, we, we could talk about jazz all day long. So that's what I'm talking about. Love today. it. So this is jazz karaoke now. <laughs> you know it. You know it. So before I let you go, how can ones follow you? Check out your newscast and just um, listen to you know all the stuff you do. Well, uh, I'm on Twitter at Darnia N Samuels D A R N E A. N S A M U E L S. I know they'll see it. Um, so you can find me there. And uh, on Facebook, you'll find my show name, The Sound of Soul with D Nicole. And that's D apostrophe N I C O L E. That's my music show, which they can hear every other Sunday evening um, from it'll be 5 to 7 uh, West Coast time, 8 to 10 East Coast time, every other Sunday evening. They can find out more information on that on the um, Facebook page of TacomaRadio.org, uh, the newscast, WPFWFM.org, uh, on Mondays just before 3 Eastern, so that'll be just before noon Pacific time. So that's pretty much where they can find me, and uh, I'll be there. Oh, and on IG at Renaissance Radio Girl. So I'm there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, um, as we were thinking about jazz, talking about jazz, when you get a chance, um, check this out on YouTube. It was Ella Fitzgerald and she did um, It Don't Mean a Thing and she went through all the genres of music. Uh, she went huh. through country, she went through uh, uh, some other things and she, that song, the, her rendition of It Don't Mean a Thing if it ain't got that swing, that is to me one of the best things I ever heard in my life. You probably heard it already too. Awesome. Well, you know, I don't think I've heard that 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 version with the medley of the different styles so I'm going to pull that up. Yeah, I'm definitely. Hey, Darnia, Great catching up with you. Great talking with you. Much success, my dear sister, and and make you and your family uh, continue to be be safe during these crazy, crazy times. And keep keep doing media the way it was intended to be to be informative, uh, not to incite to just the rage that we see today. Just just the facts out there. We appreciate you you doing that. All right. I appreciate you, my brother Paul. It's been a pleasure to be on your show with you. Have a good one. You too. That was the fantabulous 
the stupendous. How many more superlatives could I heap on the goat? Darnia Samuels. She is just an amazing person. She knows her jazz too. She and I have been texting each other different different links to, to, to jazz songs and everything. She is so, so awesome. I'm happy to call her um, happy that she's a part of my media fraternity, but also so honored to call her uh, my sister as well, too. Keep doing what you're doing, uh, Darnia. You are definitely um, a shining light out there in the media world, and we appreciate having you in this fraternity with us. All right, folks. I still got that itis. That burger that I had, it was it was huge. It was like this big. Oh, I better stop. My dietitian Melody may be watching and listening. But it was called a a, a a fresco burger. Have you ever had that? I think it's like a California thing. Sometimes they call it a fresco burger or a fresco burger. Well, what it is, and I have to, I'm up against the clock, but I'm going to explain it to you. It is like this Texas toast, I want to say. You know what Texas toast is, right? So what they do is put butter on the outside of it. And then they put like Parmesan cheese on the outside of it. And they grill it. Get it all nice and toasty. And then what they do is they put like the um, burger spread or like Thousand Island dressing on it. When I was younger, I hated it. I was just a mustard and, mustard and ketchup guy growing up. But they put like that, that, that Thousand Island spread on it. They put some some iceberg lettuce. I am a mixed green lettuce guy, but on burgers, you know, I can I can get down with the with the and some iceberg lettuce pickle. Not one patty, but two patties. Cheese right in the middle of it. And when I'm really feeling dangerous, I throw some bacon on it. I didn't feel dangerous this time, but I ate that thing, and I got the itis. If you don't know. What the itis is, I'm gonna tell you how to find out. And this has this is not being racial in any any manner. This is something that that in the African American community is like a word that we use all the time. It's called the itis. So talk to someone who you know who is African American and say, Hey, I heard Paul talk about the itis after he had a big fresco burger. And first they're going to laugh and say, he's in the itis. <laughs> and then they're going to tell you what it is. And next week, I'm going to see if I got emails or response to let me know what that itis is. But I got it bad right now. So I got to get out of here. Thank you guys. Love you all to death. And I'm sorry. Love you guys to life. I said I'm going to stop saying that. Love you guys to life. And until next time, take care, folks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 